Welcome back to Comic Book Storylines. I'm Brian Sorensen, a.k.a. Bry the Comic Book Guy. If you like what you hear, click the subscribe button, and please, by all means, share to your friends who would enjoy any of these podcasts. This week, we're going to cover the X-Men and the other X-Team 12-parter called Executioner Song. A little backstory to catch up what's been going on with the X-Teams between uh, Extinction Agenda and now. The teams in this event are the X-Men, who at this time have swelled their membership, so they act as two different teams, Blue and Gold. The Gold Team's adventures ran through Uncanny X-Men, while the Blue Team's adventures operated under the newer X-Men title. The Team X-Factor is no longer the original X-Men, since they all came back to the fold in the X-Men. This new X-Factor team is led by Cyclops' brother Havoc, Alex Summers, who you saw in Extinction Agenda. The new mutants evolved into a strikes force called X-Force. Cable is still their leader, but these days he goes back and forth to the future, disappears from time to time. They see him occasionally now. The X-Men's uh, world, the Professor, is back in the mansion after years in space with the Shi'ar Empire, and the X-Men mansion got rebuilt. Now, the issues covered in this storyline, we're only covering half of it today in this episode, Uncanny X-Men 294 through 297, X-Factor 84 through 86, X-Men 14 through 16, and X-Force 16 through 18. As always, I'll be posting the pictures of the issues featured on my Instagram. You can click that like, at Bry the Comic Book Guy. Let's just dive right into this one. Uncanny X-Men 294, right away, we see on the cover, Cable standing over the professor's body on the ground with a shot in his chest. So this is how it starts off for us. As a reader, you're like, what? The X-Men are shown getting ready for some concert in Central Park. The professor is going to be speaking at this concert. Uh, we see these two people underneath the stage that the professor is going to talk under. Uh, they're trying to hook up bombs, but Cable takes them out and says he has dibs on Xavier. So you're like, wait a minute. Cable's one of the good guys. What's going on here? X-Factor is also in New York in a nearby hotel watching the concert. Absent from the park are Cyclops and Jean Grey, who are having a little bit of a quarrel in their local pub in Salem Center called uh, Harry's Pub. And Iceman and Colossus are across the street grocery shopping. So some doing some normal things here that normal couples and people do on a weekend or whatever. One of uh, the bad guy Apocalypse's horsemen, Caliban, crashes through the restaurant and attacks Scott and Jean. A little side note here, Caliban, way back in the day, in the early days of the original X-Factor issues, he was their friend and ally. So all of a sudden, he's a bad guy crashing and attacking him. Iceman and Colossus see the commotion, and they start to run over to aid Cyclops and Jean Grey, but they're attacked by uh, two more of Apocalypse's horsemen, War and Famine. And meanwhile, Xavier is introduced at the concert, and Cable is in the back of the crowd, saying, quiet, it's not every day someone writes their own eulogy. Xavier gives a rousing speech about mutant equality, just as he's always done in the X-Books. You know, he has some powerful words to say in most of his dialogue. Uh, he is booed as the X-Men in the crowd watch from the sidelines. They're basically security undercover. They don't want to be in their full costumes and everything. Just as he finishes his speech, Cable shoots him in the head. He yells out, my name is Cable, but the world will know me as the man who saved tomorrow. Now, back at the uh, restaurant, the X-Men are ambushed by the horsemen. Scott and Jean are taken out by Caliban. Colossus and Iceman hold their own against the other two, but suddenly they teleport away with Cyclops and Jean Grey. They realize that they were just a distraction to keep the other two busy while Cyclops and Jean Grey were captured. 
Back at Central Park, Archangel turns off his image inducer. Now, that's something in the X-Men world. It's a device that was developed that can hide them and make them look more normal. So in Archangel's case, it hid his blue skin in his wings. He tries to attack Cable, but is shot in the wings. Cable teleports away, and the X-Men run to aid Professor, who's up on the stage. Then we see X-Force, who Cable leads. They're huddled around a TV. They've had some skirmishes in their own books. And they're kind of just hanging out, and they're watching a TV monitor on one of their shuttlecraft. And they see what Cable has done. They can't believe what they see. As a reader, you're like, wait a minute, what just happened? That's how we leave that issue. It's kind of like, what is going on here? Now, X-Factor 84, we see X-Force is still shaken up that their leader could even do this. They try and split up into teams. Half of them go to see if they can find Cable. And the rest, their temporary leader, Cannonball, who we saw on Extinction Agenda, he tells them, watch the news, watch the TV. If they're captured, it's their job to come save their butts. Now, the professor is rushed to a hospital where some of X-Factor is joined by the rest of the X-Men that's available. Havoc is uh, the leader of X-Factor, and he sends a character, Strong Guy in Rain, uh, Wolfsbane, that you've also seen in Agenda, to try and figure out if they can figure out where Cable went. Wolfsbane has a really good sense of smell. Maybe she can pick up on something. Archangel is brooding on a rooftop on top of the entire state building, swearing revenge on the professor to get Cable and Apocalypse for taking Jean Grey and Scott Summers as well. Uh, Wolfsbane and Strong Guy are searching the grounds where Xavier was hit, but then a shuttlecraft lands and it's X-Force, so Strong Guy's like, great, this is happening now. So he radios Havoc, who tells him that X-Force is there, and the X-Men are immediately like, is Cable with them? And he's like, settle down, everybody's got to settle down, everybody's got to calm down. By no means engage, lay low, we'll figure out how to get there and, and get you. But the strong guy says, no, Cable's not with him, we're going to lay low. Wolfsbane sees her friends from the New Mutants, who are now in X-Force, and just jumps in and starts hugging everybody. And uh, strong guy's like, well, we kind of have a problem now, Alex. This is what's going on. So strong guy gets up and tells X-Force that they're under arrest for their association with Cable, and he's a federal agent. you got to come quietly. Uh, and, of course, they say no, and there's a little bit of a fight that's on. One of the X-Force new members, Shatterstar, he tries to stab Strong Guy with a sword, but he's going to realize that that's really not going to do anything good due to Strong Guy's powers. But X-Factor arrives to help out. Quicksilver takes the sword. Quicksilver is on X-Factor. He's also... Uh, Scarlet Witch's brother. You've seen him in various uh, different stages in the movies. He's a mutant on X-Factor at this point in the comics. Havoc and his girlfriend Polaris take down Cannibal, but the character Richter, who you saw on Agenda, he's the one that smashed the building at the end, he takes down X-Factor's ship. A multiple man, Jamie Madrix, is a character who, like, he can break himself into multiple different copies. He was featured in one of the X-Men movies kind of briefly, as like a bad guy helping Magneto in the Brotherhood. Uh, Wolfsbane holds her own against the cat-like mutant on the team called Feral. But Cannonball calls for a retreat because they're about to be overwhelmed. Havoc knocks out part of one of their engines so he can follow the trail. The X-Factor starts picking up the pieces when the X-Men Blue Team arrive to help out. Now the Blue Team is Beast, Wolverine, Gambit, Rogue, and Psylocke. And they usually have Cyclops, but obviously he was taken. So they are going to go after X-Force, and Havoc just kind of helped them by kind of slowing them down. But before that, Havoc asks where his brother and Jean are. Wolverine answers, yeah, you would have to ask that. Then we flash to see them being taken to Apocalypse, who is standing over them in a room. 
He tells the horsemen to leave them. The body shape shifts into the villain, Mr. Sinister. Now, Mr. Sinister has been a bad guy since the mid-80s of the X-Men, and he's gone back and forth between a pain in the butt to X-Factor and uh, X-Men. He's a shapeshifter. He can turn his body into whatever he wants, but now he's pretending to be Apocalypse. So now you're left with, so it wasn't Apocalypse. What's really going on here? We're, we've asked, We've been asked for a lot of questions in these first few issues, and we do eventually get to them, but there's a lot to cover. That's why I'm kind of being a little bit more specific in these because this storyline is very important to the future of the X-Men, and we'll cover all that towards the end at the end of part two on this one. So back at the hospital, the doctors come and tell Storm and, and Alex that there's a techno-organic slug that he was shot with, and it's spreading throughout his body. The X-Men decide to take him home and treat him at the mansion because when they rebuilt the mansion, they used some of the alien Shi'ar technology, so they've got some stuff that nobody else on the planet has. X-Men 14, the beginning is grim in this one. The professor is shown in this little capsule, and this techno-organic virus is spreading all over him. The, the equipment is not making a dent in his condition. Now, Beast has not left his side since he's been back at the mansion, and they have this real-time channel open to Moira McTaggart. You've seen her in the movies, uh, X-Men First Class and some of the other ones. Uh, She's their human scientist ally, and she's the former girlfriend of the professor. Havoc, Storm, and Valerie Cooper, who Valerie Cooper is the government liaison and ally to X-Factor and on the X-Teams, but the government really doesn't know that she hangs out with them and, like, Gives them more details than she should, basically. So she is a friend and ally of them. They go to tell the other gathered mutants, which is the other X-Men and X-Factor, that he's alive, but they need to find Cable and Apocalypse and get to the root of what's going on. They decide to split up into two groups to do so. Beast emerges from the lab and says he's going to join the X-Men's gold team to find Apocalypse, which the gold team is Archangel, Iceman, Colossus, Storm, and Bishop. Bishop's a newer character, and he decides that he's going to stay back and guard the professor. Quicksilver is asked to join the team as well. The rest head to find X-Force. Jubilee stays back with Bishop as well, and she's the younger character, and she's trying to take care of the professor and whoever else is there as well. We flash to Panama, where we see two of the X-Force villains of the team called Mutant Liberation Front, which, for time purposes and shortened versions, I'm going to call them the MLF for the rest of the storyline. They're waiting for Mr. Sinister. Uh, The characters are Reaper and Forearm. Mr. Sinister arrives and says, I have Cyclops and Jean Grey. Do you have the canister you promised me? This portal opens and Reaper's teammate Zero appears with it. They all vanish into the portal and Sinister broods over the canister saying, it'll shake the foundation of mutant kind forever. And he's right about this one because this canister is going to be very important to what happens at the end of the storyline and for years to come in the X-Men universe. X-Force is in trouble. The damage Havoc caused caused the ship to crash. And they know the X-Men teams are going to be on them pretty soon. And they are pretty soon. Meanwhile, in Egypt, Apocalypse is woken up from his regenerative slumber. Now, every time he has, like, encounter with the X-Men characters uh, and he's beaten, he goes back and he rejuvenates himself. So the characters, uh, the Dark Riders, who were his servants, basically, they tell him to woke him up early because... His horsemen attack the X-Men teams without his say-so, and they're doing so in his name. So Apocalypse looks pretty stunned by this, because obviously he's not the one that did this. Now, meanwhile, the team heading for X-Force is having a debate in their shuttle. If X-Force is really the bad guys, maybe they didn't help Cable. What do they do? Because they're still just kids. 
And some are needing to think that they need to be taken down. Some are needing to think that they need to be reasoned with. So it's kind of a struggle, moral dilemma in the X-Men guys that are just trying to figure out if they're going to really take down X-Force or they're going to say, hey, you know, come with us. We'll figure it out. We cut to Cable's home base, which is uh, some mechanical area that he goes to. He has an AI that calls himself the Professor. And he starts talking to the Professor after he just reemerges from the future. He just suddenly appears in his base. So now we see right away that it wasn't Cable that shot him. The reader sees it, but nobody else does. The AI catches him up on events that are going on and say, things have been going on, Professor Xavier was shot, and Cable goes, this never happened, What? who did it? And the AI responds, despite the illogical nature of the situation, you did. So Cable's looking stunned and everything. Back at the X-Men mansion, Mr. Sinister breaks into the lab and is standing over Xavier. Bishop charge in and demands to know what he wants. He states he's not there to honor Xavier. He's there to bury him for his sins against mutant kind. So you see, Mr. Sinister has an axe to grind with everybody, including uh, Professor Xavier, and even in his weakened state. This is something the X groups aren't prepared for coming up. Uh, the X posse ends up getting ready to attack X-Force. They're not prepared for what's about to happen because they still consider the X-Force kids the new mutants. And they consider them still like young kids, not really experienced. But they're about to find out the hard way that they're not. Wolverine senses that they're about to attack them. And Psylocke even says, you seriously think these children plan to ambush us? And Wolverine says, stop thinking them as kids. These are soldiers we're up against. Havoc and Rogue are wearing portable tracking devices. And they see they're about to be surrounded. So they're like, we agree. This is something's about to happen. Suddenly, Psylocke is hit by the character Sunspot's energy blast. And X-Force appears, and Cannonball tells him, if you're looking for a fight, X-Force is ready to give you one. This is going to be huge because two X-Teams are about to fight another one. It's, they're all mutants. They're all trying to follow the same banner, but it's two against one. Now, X-Force 16, Cannonball is trying to be civil with the X-Posse that is sent after him. They, see they, they said they don't know where Cable is. They don't know what he's up to. But his teammate, Feral, senses they're about to attack and just leaps into it and... Cannonball's like, fine, let's do this, but you realize really fast we're not your new mutants anymore as he slams Havoc to the ground. They do manage to hold their own for a little bit, but quickly the tide shifts from X-Force's favor into the other teams. Cannonball orders them to regroup and fall back, but majority of the team is taken down before they can fall back, and there's only four left. They vanish into the woods, and Wolverine says, good. They're the hunted, and I'm the hunter. And then he fades into the shadows, and you see one of the famous Wolverine poses where he's in the shadows, you see his eyes and his face, and you see his claws. So it's like, oh, Wolverine's pretty serious right now. Now Storm's team that's hunting Apocalypse is turned uh, up at the mansion complex where the original X-Factor team first encountered him. They sent Beast with that team because he, Archangel, and Iceman were part of that original team that have the most experience dealing with Apocalypse, so who better where to find them? They're attacked by the horsemen Famine and Caliban. Famine touches Beast right away and shrinks him to, like, skin and bones. That's her power. She, you know, basically turns him to, like, skin and bones, like, takes all the uh, energy away from him. Storm and the rest of them take down the team, but they find this projector hidden in a batch of ice that uh, Iceman used to capture the rest of the bad guys. They tap it, and an image of Mr. Sinister appears. So they're really confused. They're in one of Apocalypse's strongholds, and Mr. Sinister is 
there in a hologram. He tells them they're looking for Apocalypse, but sadly he's not there. And now they're ready to move to the next level of the game. He's the one that took Cyclops and Jean Grey, and unbeknownst to Apocalypse, he's still the cause of all the madness and a means to end all of the madness, and then he vanishes. Archangel smashes the projector in anger because he wanted to take down Apocalypse, so they're no closer to doing that. Back at the mansion, the real Sinister is holding Valerie Cooper and their doctor friend Stevie hostage over Xavier, and Bishop is ready to shoot him, which Bishop does end up shooting him, but Sinister's powers don't work like that, so he's kind of like a shapeshifter, so he kind of just like shapeshifts the blast out of the way. So uh, Bishop is like, all right, what are we going to do? Uh, he tells Bishop that he's the means of Xavier's salvation, and he's going to point them all in the right direction because if they take out the real threat, his real mission can progress. So Valerie Cooper asks who and where, and he says, where? I don't know. But he drops a piece of paper and says, this is who? And she goes, him? So she clearly knows who he is, and we're about to find out. We'll find out pretty soon. As Cable's, at Cable's base, his AI tells him Sinister was at the mansion and X-Force was attacked. He gathers a huge arsenal of weapons and says, there's only one person that could have done all this, and I'm going to take him down literally face to face. Then we see Forearm dragging Scott and Jean into a chamber. He leaves them. Zero wakes them up, and they're still confused of where they are. Quickly emerging from the shadows is the leader of the MLF, Strife, who's been a bad guy of the X-Force cast since the X-Force book started. He said he's the crown prince of mutant kind, and they're the king, queen, mother, and father, and welcome to the end of tomorrow. Now, Wolverine and the rest catch up to X-Force. They take out Cannonball and the character Siren. Uh, the other two quickly surrender because they're completely surrounded. As the captured X-Force is loaded into their jet, Havoc ends the issue, looking at Wolverine and says, Now what do we do? Uncanny X-Men 295, Apocalypse comes to the mansion complex, and he doesn't know that the X-Men are there, and he, so he's met with Storm's team, and looking down at the defeat of Horsemen, a fight is about to happen. Back at the X-Men mansion, we see X-Force in a prison cell in their danger room. Havoc and Polaris wonder if they're doing the right thing. They're kind of questioning their kids, you know, should we be doing this? But they're called to a briefing by Valerie Cooper. Back at the Apocalypse fight, Iceman, Beast, and Storm are quickly taken out. And we see, then we see Gene being attacked. There's a lot going on in this issue. It kind of jumps back and forth. We see Gene being attacked by these mechanical arms and is knocked unconscious. Before she passes out, she is in Strife's arms, and she's like, why are you doing this to her? And he says, I was about to ask you the same thing. Back at Valerie's briefing, she tells the team about Strife, who he is, what he's done up until this point with the MLF. But before she finishes her briefing, she asks where Bishop and Wolverine are. They're missing from the briefing, and everybody's like, no, we don't know where they are. Clearly they do. They've taken off to follow a hunch that Wolverine had to break in into a Canadian department called Department K. It's kind of like a Canadian spy agency in the comics. As all that's going on, Colossus and Archangel pin down Apocalypse, and they demand he tell them where Scott and Jean are. But this huge blast goes through the room and takes everybody out. Before he teleports away... We figure out that they were manipulated. He figures it out, too, that he's there. everybody's been manipulated. So he goes off to find out who's really behind all this and figure out what's going on as well. Now back at the mansion, Gambit and Havoc meet with Cannonball to try and negotiate with him where the MLF is because they've uh, fought with them so many times, maybe X-Force knows where they're at. And since X-Force was captured, Cannonball tries to negotiate for their release, but they all settle on 
him using the computers at the X-Men mansion to narrow down the location, and maybe a few X-Force can go with them. Uh, unfortunately, Cable also breaks into Department K as well. You see him breaking into there, and he runs in the Wolverine and Bishop. Now, these are the last two X-Men he wants to tango with, and they both scream, You! And you can see, oh, it's on right now. The X-Factor 85, the cover says it all. Cable versus Wolverine and Bishop. These are like the big guys, big guns in the X-Men, if you will. Now, they weren't at the briefing, so sadly they don't know anything about what's going on. And for sadly for Cable, he's about to get hosed. They want answers, and they want them now. Now, ex- elsewhere, the X-Men teams with Cannonball are in a small town asking if anybody's seen the MLF. Now, they've hit a bunch of towns and nowhere, they've gotten nowhere, and suddenly all these people carrying weapons come out of the woodwork. So they're like, ah, we're in the right place. The X-Men team plows through all these guys, and they see the town is a front for the base underground. Havoc shoots this blast and finds this mechanical building structure underneath the main road, so he blows a hole and they go underground. Now, Apocalypse finds one of Cable's safe houses, and he wonders who Cable really is. He has knowledge of his technology and how to use it, and he thinks he's figured out who Cable is. And after this two-parter, I will tell you all about who Cable is and everything. That's why I broke it up, so that way I have time at the end to explain who Cable is and everything. Now, the X-Teams take down the first few MLF members, and they find and press towards their main headquarters in that base. Now, meanwhile, Strife messes with Cyclops now. He's in a, he puts Cyclops in a dark room. He hears people walking around him and screaming and everything. So he uses his optic blast to shoot whoever's in the room. But it's like a projection, and it makes it look there's children in Jean Grey are in the room. And he's like, no, I, what if I hit Jean? And Strife knocks him out and asks him how it feels to hurt the people he's supposed to be caring about. So you're like, there's an ulterior motive with this guy, and he's specifically messing with Gene and Scott in personal ways. So you're trying to figure out what is going on here. Does he really know them, and do they know him? Now, back at the MLF fight, we see Archangel accidentally decapitate an MLF member. The guy's name was actually Kamikaze, and they kind of briefly make a little joke. Well, it's a name like Kamikaze, but Angel was kind of like turning around, and his wings cut his head off. It was kind of a gross little moment there, but kind of lighthearted, well, with a name like Kamikaze. Now, back at the Cable fight, there's a moment to breathe. Cable's pinned by Wolverine and Bishop, and he's like, I did not, repeat, I did not shoot the professor. Bishop doesn't believe him, and he starts attacking again. But Cable incapacitates him for a little bit and puts his guns down and tells Wolverine, fine, if you think I did it, take me out. Now Wolverine punches him right in the gut, but he's like, no, you didn't use your claws. He's like, well, if I use my claws, then you'd be 100% dead, and we'd be 100% not knowing the real story here. So I'm gonna, I might regret this, I might not, but you're definitely going to regret it if you're lying. Now back at the fight, the issue ends with Quicksilver and Gambit being taken out by the MLF member Reaper, and he's about to be killed, they're about to be killed, and that's kind of like the cliffhanger of where I'm going to leave it today. Uh, What did you think so far? This storyline has a lot going on, and it's, like I said earlier, it's very important to the characters at the end when we find out certain characters are there's something very big going on in lives all the mutants at the x-books that it's about to happen something huge does take place at the end that has repercussions for years to come so i'll be posting pictures of the issues we covered today we covered half of them and next week we will cover the rest of them so you can follow me on instagram at bry the comic book guy and if you want to ask me any questions Anything you want to talk about, email me, brythecomicbookguy at gmail.com. So join me next week as we cover the second half of Executioner Song. Thanks for listening.